podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chelsea Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. Shems and Jay are on, um, well, Jay's injured. <laughs> injured himself playing football um, just the other day. I want to say, get, get well soon, my bro. Um, and Shems is away on holiday. So we've got two able and fantastic deputies in. Sam, my guy, what are you saying? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Itching for Premier League football to come back because yeah. this international I mean, break has been hell. Exactly. After international break, you want to get back into talking Chelsea. And it's just, ugh, bro, the, the international break is is a is a is a pain and a strain on my heart. But, oh man. Anyway, anyway, we'll get into it a little bit later on. And we've got Babs on the show. What are you saying, bro? Good man. It's going good. It's, it's good to be back on. It's good to be back on after yeah. a while. So yeah, I'm ready it's to have a nice little chat. Yeah, it's been a while. Welcome, welcome back. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to get into, really. Um, I feel like I say this every time I'm on the pod. There's so much things happening with Chelsea, typically. Um, so it's just like there's a lot to talk about, even in the international breaks. As exhausting as it can be, we're not seeing our team play. There's always stuff that's happening around Chelsea because we are generally a massive club, and that's just us. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess one of the big talking points during this international break is our injuries. So a lot of our injury players ultimately um, have been injured. So we've been talking about missing Nkunku, missing Karni Shukumeka, and missing our captain, Rhys James. Um, a lot's gone on, really. Um, I, th- I think that, I think Rhys James is, he's on a bit of a tight rope with some of our fans, you know, and I think it's a bit mad to me. Um, he's just been announced as our club captain, um, and, you know, he's he's had his issues with injury, and he, he had the latest one. Um, prior to the international break, a couple of weeks before that, in fact. Um, so he's missed quite a few games, and Mal Augusto mm-hmm. has a fantastic deputy, but he himself got a red card, which I think is unfortunate anyway. Um, but he got a red card, and obviously we've been a bit short at right back, but Reese is back from injury. Um, Babs, we had a couple of discussions uh, midweek talking about East James and uh, I guess the club's treatment of, you know, not even necessarily treatment, but you said we failed Rhys James um, in terms of his injuries. Um, so I kind of want to throw this to you. Um, firstly, how happy you have? How happy are you to have Rhys James back? And um, yeah, just explain what you kind of felt in regards to the, the failing him. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, it's definitely always good to have Rhys back. You know, having the captain back is definitely going to be massive for the group. 
Um, I was definitely worried when I saw that the the rumor of him being re-injured again because you know we've seen him have what like eight. I don't, I don't, I don't know the number. I think he's had like five to six separate hamstring injuries, you know, during his time at Chelsea. So it's quite a worrying number. And yeah, you, six you know, by the way, six. Yeah, six. Injuries. Yeah, six. So if when they do flare back up again, you know, it it, it definitely does get worrying. And for me, with, with Reese, my my main problem, and it's always been the same thing since I joined Chelsea. My main problem has always been the fact that whenever he's out injured, there's not anybody there. Is like as the backup, if that makes sense. And not just as there as the backup when he's injured, but just like there to give him a rest. You know, we obviously had Aspie, he played right centre back and occasionally right wing back, but ideally that was never really going to be a choice that a manager was was going to want to play. So I feel like at times we have rushed him back. I don't know if you guys remember, but um, there was that time where um, I forgot his personal trainer's name. He he made that cryptic um, post on Instagram like after just before the World Cup, you know, with Reese coming back because because literally just before that Reese came back from an injury. I mean, he, when he had, I think he like reflared it just before the World Cup, and that obviously led to him missing it out. So, I definitely have, been, I definitely do think there have been issues at times, you know, with him coming back. And I don't think it's just a, a Reese James issue, but I don't know. Similar to what you said, it may be, a, it may just be him being injury prone. But with, within that, I definitely think that if we did take precautions earlier on, in terms of having somebody there to, you know, compete with him, you know, let him rest a couple more games, I feel like we definitely would have had a better Reese James long term. You know, I know he's obviously not played. As many games as we want, as we want him to, but he's definitely going to be a player that we're going to have to wrap, wrap in cotton wool, in, in my opinion, long, long term. Yeah. Sam, what are your thoughts on it? Because obviously, with with Reese, uh, um, the way I've looked at it, he's he's always had not necessarily niggles, but issues with his body um, from his youth academy days. Um, I think the only season that he's actually had was his fantastic season against w- uh, for Wigan, um, but even then, he missed a couple of games through injury. But generally, he was largely available. Um, obviously was in their team of the season, the championship team of the season too, um, and their player of the season. So what, what are your thoughts on, you know, Reese James, his injury history, um, how available he is to us? And do you think Chelsea fans actually, or some of these Chelsea fans, um, have a point in regards to, well, maybe we should cut ties and just sell him because he, he's never really fully available for us? No. In the short answer, I don't think they have a point. Um I think his injury worries are kind of one of those. It's an ever-changing thing. I mean, I don't think for me it's been long enough yet to kind of throw him to the wayside and be like, oh, yeah, his body's cooked, like he's done. I mean, we've seen footballers, like, I think the first one that always comes to my head is kind of Van Persie, who had lots of injury issues, kind of younger. And maybe as he got a bit older, he started to kind of put those injury worries behind him and just didn't really miss as many games as he used to. But I think the Chelsea fans are just moving a bit spoiled with Reese James. I mean, I get it. It's definitely a worry. I think the biggest thing for me is the most games he's played in a season for Chelsea kind of starts is 32. And that was 2020, 2021. And the second most is 26 in 21, 22, which you'd say kind of since he's been here, they are, they are, are our two best seasons um, since kind of uh, 1920 since he's been here. So I think the fact he is so good and so important to us obviously plays into people reacting the way they do. Um, And I I get it, but I think it's more like a defence mechanism, pardon the pun, if you kind of get what I get what I'm saying. Because he is so good and so important, it's like when he's not here, 
it's such a big loss to us that then these kind of more wild opinions will come out like oh yeah like oh we should just sell him his he's a croc like yeah his, his body's body's not holding up but i mean but even with that so i that and i i understand where you're coming from and, and i think the defense mechanism is, is a good pun but but the, the weird thing for me is if you look at it if you know he's that good then really and truthfully you shouldn't be clamoring to sell him because this is literally one of, if not the, for me, the best right back in world football. And I think, like you rightfully said, you could reference Van Persie, for example. I think he had a lot of niggly injuries when he was coming up, uh, when it comes to growth spurts, again, developing his body, understanding his body. Um, and as he got a bit older, from like 26, 27 onwards, um, he started to recognise and realise what he, his body needed. And I think it's a learning curve. Like he's Reese is still only twenty three. He turns twenty four in December, so he's still a very young player. Um, and ultimately, these young players generally have a couple of niggles with their body, learning what they need for it. Um, and Reese is obviously a stocky player, so he's going to have some uh, muscular injuries generally because he's quite explosive too. So you're going to get those sort of things. Um, and I think if you look at his injury re- record, and, and it's not great. I mean, he's only played 99 Premier League games for us since, since making his debut in 2019. So it isn't fantastic. But yeah, like you said, Sam, he's only he's had six hamstring injuries um, that have plagued him for the last two seasons. Prior to that, it was his ankle that he, he picked up when he was injured on um, under-21 um, yeah, duty um, for England. Um, but yeah, he's had a string of hamstring injuries um, since 2020, 2021. Um, and I just feel like, for me anyway, he's not had the surgery. He's kind of stayed away from surgery um, simply because he, he doesn't want to go down that route. He, he thinks he'll miss too much football. But I think that might be an issue because that that is generally what's coming back to plague him now. Um, the avoidance of getting a surgery, which he probably could have done in 22-2023 season, um, and to be to be fair to him, he's not missed that many games as a byproduct of the hamstring injury. So I can understand why he doesn't want to have it done. Do you know what I mean? But I just feel like if you get it sorted once and for all, you should be fine. But, you know, he's missed two months of football now um, this season. And a critical season for us, really, after the horrific scenes that we saw last season. So I, 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 it's a weird one for me, but it's a... a Absolutely not. You can't sell him. Like that. That's that's crazy talk. Um, I, I I don't know if it's it. Like you said, coping mechanism or something. I don't know what it is, but it's weird because you don't sell a player of this quality. You just don't. You know what I mean? I would have kept Kante's until his hamstrings fell off. To be honest. Um. So because I think they, they were falling off. To be honest. Yeah, they they were on the bone, bro. Like I I I I would have still kept him. Like they were off. Yeah. They were like falling off the bone. He hasn't missed him. a game in Saudi Arabia. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't, I don't have the patience with, especially top players, like a, a lot of our fans do, because you recognise what they bring to the day, bring to the team, bring to the game. So, I, I, I feel like with Reese James, it, it's great to have him back. I'm not entirely sure if I start him against Arsenal at the weekend, um, because that's such a big game and it's a lot to throw him into that game of that intensity, especially after an international break. So. I'm not sure he starts that, but having him in the squad is definitely going to be a plus point for us. 
but yeah, I, I, def- I think it's definitely weird, man. Weird that the clamoring to sell Reese James at 23 years of age, you want to sell one of the best, if not the best, right backs in the world. I find I find it insane, but our fans at times can be a bit reactionary and a bit dramatic, but that's the nature of football these days. I think, you know, some of these things aren't really well thought out. But um, Babs, do want to move on? Um, because I, what we've all kind of agreed that, yes, yeah, Henry's James is, is wild. Um, but in terms of Reese, though, and I know you've spoken about Malo Gusto um, prior to him coming to Chelsea, actually. Do you think that Malo Gusto can actually push him all the way? Do you think he could be that right back that we've actually been longing for in a sense that, you know what, he gives Reese some respite, um, that over-reliance on Reese, are you burning him out? Um, yeah, w- w- what do you think? Because Malo Gusto, you, you talked him up quite a bit. Um, so how do you feel he's been delivering since Reese James has been injured? I do think he's the perfect um, option. You know, he came at a good price. You know, he's flexible. He can play a wing back. He plays um, right centre back, play right back. And I think he's impressed so far as, as as far as he's come along. Obviously, he had the red card against Aston Villa, which, in my opinion, I don't think that was ever a red card. You know, we saw the VAR, the VAR discussion whereby they were literally stopping the camera angle at a bad point to try and make it, you know, seem bad. I think, like, I think the early game where I've looked at him and said, okay, this is a poor game, was, was the Forest game. And even then, you know, going, going defensively, he wasn't as bad, but going forward, you could obviously see there was like a bit of a gap, you know, in terms of a, yeah, compared yeah. to Reese James. But Considering the fact this is his first season in the Premier League, you know, coming up coming off his own injury as well last season, and he's settled in pretty well, and he's not really been a problem in the squad. I think he's I think he's perfect. Um, I think a big thing with, with me with him as well is the fact that yeah, he's young, but he's also obviously experienced. So he's played a lot of games, you know, in France for for for, mm. for Leon. You know, he played um, twenty games last season. He start he played thirty games the season before that. So he's got what fifty odd games at seen at a senior level by the age of twenty. You know, it's, it's the perfect level of experience to have, you know, against top-level opposition. So I think having him there is definitely perfect because you're not going to have the worry of, like, okay, the guy we're going to bring is going to be like an ass people by, yeah, he's a good player, but due to his age and the physical nature of, of where he was, you weren't sure if he was going to be able to keep up um, with, the, with the physicality and intensity of the league. Whereas Gusto, I think he's come mm-hmm. from a league whereby the intensity almost mirrors the Premier League. So I think he's, like, the perfect guy to have there. And you, we've also obviously seen him, you know, and heard him, sorry, um, in terms of his interviews, you know, he's he's come to Chelsea with a goal in mind. You know, he knows he's not, he's not going to be a cakewalk to just come in and start with a Reese James and he wants to fight for his place. And that, that, that and I don't think you can want anything more, you know, as a fan. You, you yeah. want guys that are going to want to come in, you know, fight for the badge, you know, as yard as it sounds, because yeah. it, it definitely does make a difference, man. And fans are going to love that. So I'm, I'm definitely smart when you know I know it. I, know <laughs> I did, and it's so true. Fight for the badge, man. <laughs> Do it. True. And, and, it's the and, bare and minimum, bruv. For sure. And a big thing with, with me, right, is when you look at a lot of, you know, the other young, young fullbacks, wingbacks, they're, they're, where they excel is going forward. And when you look at Gusto, he made, I don't think he's shown what he can do going forward yet, but if you look at how he's performed defensively, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed to look around the league and see what other what other actual right-backs are better than defensively. So that yeah. kind of value at there in itself is, is going to be massive for the club. You know, he's now a France international you know, I know we're obviously not, we don't, we don't want to, I don't want to, I don't really always like talking about it, but that's really obviously going to add to his value now, you know, going forward. Yeah. So I definitely what, think he's a good player to have, have, have around. Yeah, what I'd say about Gusto, and I'll pass you on, I'll pass on to Sam in a bit, Um, but with, with Gusto, he's, he's got that humility that I really love in a player. Like, he knows he's good, but he also recognises that 
the composition around is also very, very good. Um, but he backed himself, you know what I mean? And I think he's literally at a great age. Um, in terms of the gap between him and Reese, I think it's like three, four years. I think that's a really good gap because I think he's young enough to be like, you know what, I can be second, I can play second fiddle for now, um, but also believe in himself to play enough. Like you said, Babs, 50-odd appearances in front in French football um, at a high level. So he's got enough experience about him too. So I feel like, and he, ca- he carries himself really, really well, both on the pitch, off the pitch. Um, his post-match interviews, his interviews in general, I think he, he comes across really, really well. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed by him. You know, he, he's definitely one, another one of the ticks for the Babs scouting reports. Um, because, yeah, really, really impressive. Um, Sam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think Gusto, I was actually surprised because I obviously I didn't watch him much in France. But when he came, there was a lot of talk about um, how he was kind of really good at attacking, that had some really good crosses on him. And no one really spoke that much about his defending. So I was actually really surprised when he came because to me, he's more of like, funny that you actually bring Aspie up because he, he's a bit more flashy and flary. But like kind of when mm. Aspie was younger, he reminds me a bit like he's a lockdown defender. But going forward, tenacious. yeah, tenacious. And he's like, his timing on his kind of tackles is always top notch, bar maybe that red card that wasn't a red card, but it was still maybe, I mean, it wasn't a poorly, he literally got the ball. So yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was actually surprised at kind of how much of a lockdown defender he was. And in terms of being a backup to Reese, I, I don't think he is anywhere near. Anywhere near might be harsh, but I don't think he is as good as Reese. I mean, I know some Chelsea fans were kind of sitting on that, like, oh, yeah, like he's going to come in. And I, I don't think so. I don't think he's, he's still young, of course, but Reese at 20 compared to Gusto at 20, I think different levels personally, just in terms of what Reese could give you. And that's not even a um, that kind I of. I hear you. I do hear you. I hear you. But then I also. Like, okay. Let let's let me put this hypothetically to you. Yeah? Mm. So, Reese James when he was nineteen twenty, fantastic. Yeah, don't get me wrong. But defensively, Reese was a little bit slack. Little yeah. bit slack. No, yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. Gusto at nineteen twenty, which he currently is now, not slack. I don't see any slackness in his defensive performances. Offensively, there is slack, of course, right? So what I'm saying is. If you're looking at the, the what you've seen at 19, I know we're, we're clamoring around Reese because of what he's achieved since then. But if you look objectively at the the age of yeah. 19, 20, yeah. is there gap that uh, big? Yeah, no, no, I hear you. But see, Reese's like weakness in defending at that age for me came from more his kind of positioning. Yeah. So if I'm just talking like pure kind of like traits and like variable things, I can judge. I think even like 1v1 defending, Reese was just as good. Like he, he very rarely got beaten if it was just kind of someone stood him up and tried to get past him. It was maybe where he switched off a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I yeah, do agree. I you know, like, so he's actually probably like maybe more switched on in terms of being defensive minded. And maybe that came from Reese obviously playing a lot in centre mid in kind of youth level and when he done his time in the championship as well. I mean, maybe also, he's just like... Also, he played under Frank Lampard. So let's not forget that. That and is Frank true. Lampard's teams were defensively yeah. awful. So and now we're playing under Poch, who's a, like, yeah, yeah, a very good defensive coach. But yeah. yeah, on the other point, I think it's actually a really good... If I had to choose like a backup and backup fullback, and the choice was like you either get a fullback 
that's amazing going forward but can't defend or a fullback that's really good at defending but like maybe I'm not saying Gusto can't go forward but isn't the best going forward I'm I'm picking the, the like the elite defender for a backup every single time because I think that's a mm-hmm. lot easier to plan around like you bring this guy in you know that right side is just locked down or the opponent's left side like you know that side is locked down the attacking you can find in other avenues um you can do that other ways but if you come kind of bring someone in who's a really bad defender but maybe good at attacking it's like okay we can attack down that right side but also we're going to get pam down that right side so for me it's really good to have a backup who's like an elite defender for sure that makes sense and obviously you you look at just our wingers in general um you'd like to think that some of them especially with like raheem sterling for example that's found a resurgence in form um we could touch on him a little bit later on in um in terms of the build-up for the arsenal game um but those players that don't necessarily need a marauding fullback to be bombing on every single time and maybe sometimes getting in their way sometimes you need to give them the space to really do their thing and try and beat their man and take them on it you only kind of need a uh, a fullback overlapping or underlapping if it's a 2v1 situation, for example. So, um, and speaking about flying wingers, um, let's talk about Mihailo Modric or Misha, as people are starting to call him. Um, it, it's an interesting one, Modric, and I, I kind of want to come to you, Babs, because I haven't really had your thoughts about him really um, in depth um, since he's come to the club. But Mihailo Modric, is he reaching a point where... He's finally about to take off. Now, he exploded, um, it, well, to Chelsea fans anyway, he exploded on the scene in his um, appearance at Anfield last season, um, his debut, and he was absolutely fantastic, super dangerous. Um, he, he gave them a torrid, torrid time. He looked like the one that was going to unlock the door. Um, yeah, in, in a relatively, I think, poor, Liverpool looked quite poor that day. Um, but, he was really, really good. Um, and since then, one reason or another, um, he's not quite gotten to those levels. Um, we could talk about platform. We, and in fact, we're going to deep dive into kind of what went wrong and what's going right now. Um, but he scored his first, his first goal for Ukraine midweek. It was a fantastic goal. Drilled it against Malta in the a, in a, in a top corner. Um yeah, is he is he about to set a blaze now, um, Babs? Because you know he scored for Ukraine and scored against Fulham a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, talk, talk to me. What what are, what are, what has changed for Misha? Um, and do you think he is actually starting to kick on now? Um, in terms of him kicking on, I'm not sure. I, I think he has the platform to kick on. I think it's mainly in his hands. In terms of what's changed, I think a lot of it's been like off the field. Because in, in my opinion, anyway, you know, watching him, and I actually went to watch that Liverpool game recently. And what stood out for me is, for, with a player, and I've said in the main point, a player with his like, physical attributes, in terms of his speed, you know, how quick he is, how direct he can be, one thing he doesn't do well is, is, is utilise that speed off the ball. You know, I look back at the Liverpool game, and when you actually watched it, a lot of, like, his best moments were on the ball, you know, interchanging with, with his teammates, um, on the inside, you know, playing a bit outside with, with teammates as well. But, other than that run whereby he ran on the outside of Milner and he drew that and he drew that foul, not not a lot of like his game is off the ball, mm-hmm. and I think that's also like Im- impacting him in terms of like his actual usage usage in the team. Because I actually went back and checked against against Fulham, he, he completely he, he attempted six passes for instance, so he's not being able to be as involved. And I think a big part of that is his actual off the ball movement, 
and how he plays off the ball. Because, you know, with the Sterling, for instance, as we saw against Burnley, you know, he's going to stretch opposition. He's going to make those runs that are going to ask the opposition a lot of questions. And mm-hmm. just by virtue of that, even if he's not making a lot of touches, you know, I think I just checked now, I was told he only made, he only made 13 passes that game. He only had 36 touches, you know, over an over 90-minute spell. Even though he's not having a lot of touches, just by virtue of his off-the-ball movement, you know, how tenacious he is, you know, getting behind the defensive line, he's going to be constantly involved. And he was involved in three of the goals on, on that day. So I think for me, that's like a big thing with Mudrick. In terms of platform, I, I definitely think there can definitely be more. But I think in, in, in a player like his, um, he's such a unique player in the fact that he has a lot of real attributes. But when you when you go back and look at it, he played the equivalent of 50 senior games, you know, by 22. So he's not exactly the most experienced player in terms of actually getting in the field and showing what you can actually do. So when you actually think about it, you know, when a, when a youth player does come through an academy and he's played their first their first 50-odd games, you're just about getting an idea of what this player is. You know, with Mudrick, a lot of people, think, you know, they see him as this fast guy, but I think with Mudrick, I think he's more of like a playmaker rather than, you know, mm. s- s- to, to compare him to like a Werner who's like going to utilise his pace a lot. I think with Mudrick, his game isn't reliant on pace. I think a lot of it is using his intelligence to make finals, you know, the reverse passes around the corner, um, those like intricate dinks, you know, into the strike. I think that's a lot of his game. And I think a big part of what Poch is going to do is work on him off the ball in terms of getting him behind, stretch on position. I think if he can do that, I don't see why he can't be a, a, a top-level player. In terms of um, him exploding, I definitely think it's going to be a bit difficult because when you look at how Sterling performed against Burnley, you know, yeah. and the fact that Southgate again has a corner off for England, so you know how you know how Sterling gets when he doesn't get caught up. He's you know, he's gonna bit, a, yeah, it's going to be chomping, chomping a bit. So a lot of it for me is going to be how Poch sets it out. I've got an idea in my head about how I would set it out to, 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 to alleviate that, but I think we'll probably get, get, get on to that a bit further on the pod, but I think for me, it's going to be is is mainly in Poch's hands because to, to to balance him and Stone is going to be a, going to be a tough choice. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, uh, it's it's interesting you say that because that was one question mark I had really is is he going to get the platform? Um, and that's something I've spoken about for a, a long time with Mahalo Modric. I think he what he only made seven seven or seven starts. Um, last season um, and they were sporadic it it just yeah generally it w- wasn't good enough really he didn't really have a platform at all to play um, and I think you know th- this season it's a little bit different um, whilst he's not started all the games I think he's been a lot more involved I think he's played already um, one third of his Premier League minutes last season which is crazy considering Um and um, in terms of like his just statistical play, I don't think much has changed. Um, I, I gen- generally, I think he's dribbling about the same. Um, he's getting fouled about the same. I, I just feel like things are just starting to look a little bit neater. I think he's starting to lose the ball a little bit less. Um, and, you know, you're still going to get the baggy dribble and the baggy touch here and there because I think sometimes he's so anxious to do things. But technically, I think he's just a very clean footballer. And like you said, Babs, I don't think he's just this speedster. Like I think he's a well-rounded footballer. I think he's like he's got so many so many weapons. It's it's actually bonkers. You know what I mean? It's actually bonkers that he's got this much weaponry. It's just about having the wherewithal to actually put it all together. And I I do think he's got the capacity to because he's. Doesn't seem like a stupid player. He seems very, very intelligent. He seems very um, 
just aware of himself um, and aware of what he can do. So it's all about coaching for me. And um, like you said, I think one of his biggest weaknesses is off the ball. Um, so a player with that much speed to not really be utilising his off the like his speed off the ball to kind of stretch a team is a bit disappointing. But I think that's something that could be taught um, most definitely. And especially if you look at the work that Potter did with Son, you can kind of see because Son similarly um, in Germany he wasn't really a player that was dynamite in terms of utilising the speed. He was always a like, good finisher, though, but he was never one that was um, completely dominant all, on, on his flank and stretching teams and just, you know, stretching them like, off the ball. So he was more of a technical in-between-the-lines player. So it's just very, very interesting to see what Poch can actually do with Mihailo Mudric. Um, but I throw this question on to Sam. Um, do you think he's got capacity to, to explode into being one of the top players in the league or... Is that still does that still remain to be seen for you? I think to be one of the top players in the league, that definitely remains to be seen. Um, I definitely agree with what you're saying about he hasn't really had that platform, and for sure, what Bab's saying is obviously he's just played the equivalent of like 50 games, which isn't very lot, which isn't a lot by the age of 22. I mean, I think kind of if you look at most, I guess 22 year olds that are coming up in England, they're getting kind of a lot more games than that, whether it's going on loan or somewhere else. I'm not really familiar with the kind of Ukrainian football pyramid and how it works over there, but that seems like a really when did he break into like um Shakhtar? Uh, Is that weird? Age twenty. Age twenty under um under the Zerbies. So Oh okay. So he broke in quite late then. Yeah, because under previous coaches essentially um, he had kind of a falling out. Um, he 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 had this bravado essentially that um, he was doing a lot of like social media stuff, like posting his like tricks and stuff on like Instagram and TikTok. And oh, okay, yeah, we, yeah, I didn't like it, so they, they, he wasn't really getting called up into the first team, basically because they definitely oh, decided okay. to serious. So that yeah. kind of knocked him down a bit, really. They'd done the old Fergie on him, told him to stop Trust messing me, around yeah. or take football serious. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, okay, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, so really, he had, again, for one reason or another, he hasn't really had that stoa games that, you know, this talented, the super talented player, you know, should have, you know, um, especially at the age of 22. But mm. again, there's so many circumstances, you know, the Ukrainian league, um, they go on winter break. So obviously they, they had a long break. So he didn't play that much last season either. So it's um, yeah, man. I, yeah, but yeah, like so. C- continue. You're talking about whether he has the capacity. Yes, yeah, so I was just saying. I think I think you're both kind of hitting the nail on the head when you say there's like a lot of work on Poch. I think he's going to have to Poch and the coaches are really going to have to kind of get into him and just see what he's about. Really, kind of just get down to basics and just see what he's about. Because I agree with Babs when I say. When I watch his game, I definitely see more of like the playmaker in him, like with these little passes. And I think just because he's really quick, he doesn't have to be kind of like a speedster winger. But mm. also being that quick and not using it would be stupid as hell because mm. you aren't, he's not just quick. Like he is maybe the quickest player I've ever seen at Chelsea. Like he is, yeah, I, I think he's probably the fastest player in, in the world, you know, in terms of football. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think, I think he 
would burn Mbappe. Like on a, well, in a that interview range, with Pavana, isn't he, it? Pavana he, says, he, yeah, he's burned him. He, he dusts him. So I think if if I'm using Mbappe as probably one of the quickest as a barometer, mm. I think I think I think Modric is the fastest. So I definitely I mean, agree. Yeah. Like, off the ball, like you you have to like come on, man, you have to. Yes, I used to get wound up in Lukaku for similar reasons. Like not like Lukaku was like a big lump who didn't yeah. really use his like weight that much. It's like he yeah. did when he kind of was on the ball and maybe holding off defenders, kind of that were either either side of him or in front of him. But if he kind of had to like back up into a defender or win a duel in the air, like he didn't really use his height and kind of weight that much. Yeah, yeah. So it's a similar reason to that. Like if you are that quick, you have to use it and stop coming to feet. Like stop trying to get the ball to feet and that's good once in a while but if you keep doing that the defenders are just going to know that's what you do and I promise you no fullback in the league maybe minus Kyle Walker is going to want you sprinting in behind them that with how quick you are no fullback's going to want that so just do what like makes defenders uncomfortable I think if he learns to do that he he can really come on leap and bounds because I think if you look at Jackson for example he will consistently make defenders uncomfortable in a game might not always come off he's had some weak games he might not always score but you know on a kind of game basis he's given the defenders a hell of a time whether it be of his runs yeah Yeah, exactly I don't know why Mujic can't just do that he's very difficult to play I think if you look at Jackson's entire game yeah I think technically he's really good He's got the capacity to hold up the ball. He's a handful in so many ways because he holds up the ball very well, but he also stretches you. He runs the channels like crazy. So it's like, exactly. and he can run at you, run at you. And yeah. that's what, kind of what you're saying, essentially. Like, Mudrick, you've got the speed. Like, even if, like, some players like the ball to feet all the time and some people just like to dribble, right? I think Mudrick structures that type of player. He likes to dribble and take people on. But, bro... The ball moves faster than you, so sometimes you just knock it off and just dart away from your man. And, and we have find players you. that can play them passes now. Yeah, like and Enzo, will will Enzo, Enzo will find Yeah, I actually saw a stat today that Enzo has the best long ball percentage in the league. I think it's like 75%. Yeah. So it's like Enzo three and four passes he's getting on the dot. So I mean, yeah, Enzo will find you, Cole will find you, Palmer will find you. Bro, I, I think a lot of our even Caicedo, I think, will find you. So I think there's a lot of players that really can utilize his speed. I think he just needs to get comfortable making those off the ball movements. And again, like you said, it has For to sure. be a potch thing. It has to be a coaching staff thing because I think he's got all the tools. Like really, he also has the perfect people to learn off as well. Like you got yeah, Sterling he, there, so I mean, yeah. just he, watch he's got Sterling. all the tools to be. He's got all the tools to be a very very good player. Um, but it remains. We've seen if he if he would, and that's the thing with young players—you never really know. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. necessarily put my name fully behind him, but I'm definitely invested in his talent, um, and I'm definitely invested in seeing how it kind of transpires because I think he's got a lot about him, man, a lot about him. Um, so it'd be foolish of me, given the platform that he's had or lack of, it'd be foolish for me to kind of write him off, considering how things seem to be loading for me. I, I think things are loading for him still. Um, but yeah, man, I guess that kind of leads on to, well, talking about Babs, you were talking about the conundrum in terms of, you know, platform for, for Mudrick. Um, boy, what 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 a way for Mudrick to really announce himself if he was to 
to drill it against Arsenal. I'm not saying that's going to happen because, you know, like you said, Raheem Sterling might be playing and after his performance against Burnley, it'd be difficult to let, leave him out still. But um, talk to me, Babs. Big game against Arsenal at the weekend. 5.30 kickoff at the bridge. Boy, um, it... it, it it's a bit of a. It's not a sticky one. It's a. It's a. It's a big one, really. It's a massive one. Um, how are you feeling about the game? Um, we can talk about teams and everything else later on. But how are you feeling about the game? Um, what are your expectations for the game? And um, obviously, I, I know you think we can win, but how confident are you that we can get the win against Arsenal? You know, it's a weird one because whenever we play Arsenal, I'm never worried. You know, like all respects to them, they've had a, like a brilliant, you know, last 18 on months, but I'm never ever worried whenever we play Arsenal. Um, growing up, I've never really been worried about playing against Arsenal, you know, and I think that's mainly just because growing up, we've always beaten them to trophies. You know, we've always just beaten them for fun. They've always been like the team that we, we bullied, but this game, it feels a bit different in the fact that just, just in terms of its importance, and that's mainly just due to the difficulty of the start of our games this season, you know, Going into those games, it was expected that we'd have a good start to the season. And going into this run of games, where it's going to be a bit more difficult, there'll be a bit more leeway, which there should, obviously there never should be at, at Chelsea. But I think due to the way we started poorly this season, there's going to be a lot more expectations to actually try and get results at this stage because we're going to have to build confidence. And if we're getting battered left, right and centre by different teams, it's not going to be good for the players. You know, because It is a young group of players. They're not, they're not really got like massive experience in terms of going to these run-ins. So... In terms of confidence, I'm confident we can definitely get a result. You know, I don't think that Arsenal have started the season amazingly. You know, they've got a couple of injuries, you know, coming into this game. I think Saka's probably going to be sell out. Martelli's only just coming back coming back fit. So they're not at 100%. And I definitely think with the players that we have at the moment in the form that they're currently coming in, I definitely think we can cause some issues. I think Mudrick and Sterling, if it was up to me, I'd start them both. Hey. I'd, I'd definitely start hey. them both, but it's, it's similar to what I was saying earlier in terms of how Potts sees the lineup and how he wants to play, play the team because I, I see a way where you can play both of them, stretch your position a lot and even have a Palmer in, but I'm not I sure if Potts has the you. same vision, if you get what I mean. I hear you, I hear you. I'll, I'll move on to you, Sam. Um, how are you feeling about the game? And I guess we can just talk about the intricacies a little bit later, but how, how are you feeling about the game? Um, are you quietly confident you mentioned a couple couple of days ago um but yeah, yeah i think i think we can definitely beat them i think even not just in the arsenal game this whole run that we've got coming up i think we're going to surprise a few teams um for sure because i think i mean these teams aren't going to respect us in a way that they used to they're going to be like oh this is chelsea like they're crap we can beat them and i think that will open up a lot more space for us in the game and we've defended pretty well altogether and Arsenal actually haven't attacked that well at all this year they're actually really kind of low I think they've created like I think this was before the last game but they created like seven big chances or something across all of their games which I mean isn't obviously the be all and end all because they've still scored a decent amount of goals and won most of their games but I haven't been as impressed with Arsenal this season as I was last for sure and I definitely think there's there's a game to be won there I mean, we're coming into it off three wins in a row, two in the league, one in the cup. We got most of our players that have been playing are fit, I think. I don't think anyone that kind of has played in this winning run is out. 
I might be mistaken because we have so many injuries that it's hard to follow. But, but, but Sassy's the only one that's that's yeah, oh, he's yeah. back. Yeah. He's back now. You were training. So what, what oh, he's you? training. Okay, I mean, yeah, he's he's been good for sure. And I mean, even if he's not, then we have a lot of options in that area specifically. We just probably move Colwell there and or on the left side and then whack in Cuckoo, maybe, who's been doing pretty well of recent. So yeah, I'm quietly confident for sure. It's a it's a big game. I'm similar mm-hmm. to Babs, like I never really get that nervous about Arsenal, even though they have beaten us the last three times at Stamford Bridge. And if they do it for a fourth time, they're the first team in history to do that. Yeah. So let's hope we don't make that record. Yeah, it, it's a tough one for me. So I, I I wouldn't say I'm confident, but what I would say is that they haven't particularly impressed me this season. Um, I respect the fact that they, they're unbeaten like Spurs, um, but I can't say, from an offensive standpoint at least, that they've really impressed me. I think they've had impressive performers like Saliba, like Rice, um and that's pretty much it. Um Zinchenko obviously when he's been available. But I can't say that they've particularly impressed me, whether that's in the league or the Champions League. Now that's not to say we're gonna smash them to pieces. But yeah, it's just it just means for me that if Chelsea are functioning at a level that I think we should be able to function, that I'm not fearing them, essentially. Um so it's not necessarily that they're rubbish and we're we're great. It's just that I don't think there's that much of a gap in quality, essentially, that we should be scared about playing Arsenal. Now, again, they've got the weight of the last 12 months behind them that, you know, they, they're considered a very good team. Um, and they, they, they were in an impressive um, title race last season. And they've started this season like they, they can challenge again. So it's up for us and up for Poch, really, to kind of show, you know, that... We're, we're not going to really be a walkover. We can actually be a team that can compete. And for me, as you guys very well know, I'm all about competing. So not necessarily, if we win the game, you know, we've played it horribly and we've just like nicked it. I like it, but I wouldn't enjoy it. You know what I mean? If we were to lose, but we competed, then I'd be relatively satisfied, if that makes sense. It's not that, it's not about, for me anyway, the manner in which you, the manner in which you do things is important. Um, winning the game, again, very important because I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to pick up points. We need to pick up points, ultimately. Um, and I'm not saying for one second that if we beat Arsenal playing poorly, I'll be sad about it. But I'm saying Chelsea, as a team, should be a team that competes, um, whichever which way that is. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't win the game. I'm just saying that we should be competing and we shouldn't be playing like we're inferior, essentially especially against Arsenal. Like you said, Babs, I've grown up watching this team, watching Arsenal be literally scrubs to us. So, you know, especially, especially, it's, it's a weird one because when I was younger, Arsenal used to like smash us, you know what I mean? Um, but when I, when I got to about 14, 15, maybe, no, no, let's say about 12, actually, 12 to about 13, you're like, you're seeing that, the, the, the pendulum kind of shift a little bit and it's moving towards, oh, you know what, Chelsea are, they can compete, you know, this is, this is, this is all right. Then you go to 2004, 2005, you're like, right, they're, they're nothing. You know what I mean? And then after that, it becomes a thing, yeah, no, we're beating them, we're beating them, we're beating them. And, and they're, they're slowly fading um, from their greatness. You know what I mean? So it, it is an interesting one, um, just given the dynamics and given where we currently are, where they currently are. But 
I definitely think we can compete, um, and I hope we do ultimately. And that, again, question marks for Poch if we don't, because I think there's no reason why we shouldn't. If I'm being completely honest, um, but if we talk about you mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, Babs, you talked about um, well Sterling and Modric in the same team. Now, I personally could see it. I, I, I'd like to see it. But you're, you're a bit apprehensive about Poch, whether he could do it and whether he would do it. So talk to me about your idea about, you know, the, like the, the Mudrick and Sterling um, together conundrum. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, for me, the way I look at it, right, I see, obviously, we're probably playing Cole at left back and then either Cucurella or Gusto at right, at right back end. On the right-hand side, we don't get the um, width that Reese would naturally offer us, you know, on, on that side. So, for me, I think the, the thing that makes the most sense is you play somebody like a Sterling who can offer you that width, and then on the inside, you play uh, um, oh, sorry, I always forget, um, Palmer, sorry, you, you play a Palmer in the in the right centre rather than number 10. And I think the, the reason why I, I do that rather than playing him, playing him so centrally is because I just think if you look at um, the game we played against Brighton, you know, in the cup, you know, you look at the game against Fulham, I think where he's actually excelled has been in those half spaces where he's able to, like, you know, just like make those little nice little cute passes around corners, you know, interchange with wide players. And I think if you have someone like a Sterling who's extremely direct in his runs, I think a Palmer, even though he's not brute force, I think given enough chance, he's going to be able to find Sterling with those runs. And I think that's going to be a perfect way to stretch Arsenal against like a, a Zinchenko. Because personally, I don't think Zinchenko is the best defensively and obviously, not, when you look at it phys- physically, he, he doesn't stand a chance to get Sterling. You know, he's not able to keep up with him. And if you have a um, a Palmer playing really close to him, it doesn't it doesn't put too much responsibility on Augusto to get forward as much. And you can actually have yeah. him just focus on on either locking down uh, or attempt to anyway locking down the Martinelli or, or Gabriel Jesus, and you have that overload there anyway. Even still with Palmer, I, I understand yeah. why people want to play Palmer in the number ten. But I think if you look at it right, I think. Just due to how intelligent he is, you know, there were even times in, in the Burnley game where, by less than like a, 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 there was a, there was a, there was a moment in um, the second half where Casado got forward, Burnley had um, a transition, and Palmer was there in the middle of the park to win the ball back and you know play it really calmly. And I think, mm. I think I, I generally see him as more of a midfielder, and I do see him as an attacker. I definitely think his ball striking, you know, his goal scoring ability, the way Pep played him, I, I can understand why he played him in, in that regard, just to like get him into the team. You know, get him having the feeling for the game, but I feel like in a midfield three, I think it could be perfect with with Enzo and Kaiser. I think the only problem then is P- Poch obviously loves Gallagher. He's his, he's his captain yeah. currently, so I don't see him dropping in Gallagher, and I would and I likely see it being a Sterling and a Palmer and wide partnership. And I don't think that's a, a bad thing, but I just think what you could have there, you know, in terms of Sterling and Mudrick, who are both extremely direct and. On Modric's side, he has the playmaking ability. Sterling, he can, he can stretch defensive and he can actually playmake as well. I think that kind of combination against Arsenal, who probably aren't going to th- think of us as much of, much of a threat, I think you can definitely surprise them. And if it was up to me, mm. I think that's what I'd do. I hear you. I fully hear you. Um, because I want Gallagher to play though. So it's difficult for me. So per- I, I, I see it from your side. I also feel on Poch's side especially in the midfield battle, which I think we could win, um, especially if Gallagher's in the team. But, Sam, I want to come to you. How do you see that 
how where do you see the game being won and lost? Because like Bab says, I think there's a lot we could do if we play Mudrick and Sterling out wide and you have you have Palmer a little bit deeper um playing alongside Enzo and Caicedo. But how do you see it personally? I think though I like the idea, I do think risking it against Arsenal for the first time is incredibly risky. Um, I mean, the thing why I like Palmer in the attack and kind of in that thing is, unlike Sterling and Mudrick, I think he has the ability to know when to kind of slow the game down. I think if you play with Mudrick and Sterling, it's going to be a lot of just kind of bang, 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 bang. And I think that might play slightly into Arsenal's hands. Mm. But I agree with you in the sense of I kind of want Gallagher in that team. Because I think if you've got Enzo and Caicedo, you kind of, I think you can kind of match Caicedo up against Rice for sure. I think that would be a good, good matchup in terms of the kind of, not match them up directly. I mean, they kind of will do similar jobs in the sense of they'll be the kind of ones sweeping up all the all the danger and just trying to keep it simple with their passing. But then I worry that if you play like a Palmer, you leave one of Arsenal's midfield, probably would be Odegaard, because I don't think Enzo is going to be the best at doing that kind of like one-on-one job. It's kind of you want Enzo to be the one that's getting man-marked rather than him having to kind of do the man marking. So I do think if you play a Palmer in midfield, you might you might give up that midfield battle. You might not, my, but yeah, it's my, just a my risk. Response though, my response to that, though, is why does it have to be that? Um, Chelsea, especially um, at home, have been a possession-dominant team. I think against Burnley, it was a little bit different. The first time we've had, um, I think, lower than... 60 or 50 percent possession in the game um so i I think um we don't necessarily have to um be a situation where enzo's man marking i think if we play to our strengths we could be a it could be a situation where they're trying to do a job on us defensively um now that's not to say i hear you i hear you i I, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of gallagher because i think he offers a lot more defensive protection and solidity but you also run the risk of turnovers um, in the Arsenal team, which can be quite dangerous in transition. Um, but at the same time, I think Connor of late has kept things very, so simple. So I might be doing him a disservice in saying that. Um, but yeah, generally, I think the Palmer idea is that I agree. It, it is very risky to... to yeah, that's the thing. I think it's a good idea. I just don't know if Arsenal would be the first game I try it in. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And but I, okay, so I I fully understand what you're saying, and I and I just feel like it's it it is very bold. It would be very bold to do it. And Poch doesn't strike me as someone that's bold like that. You know what I mean? Um, but we'll see. I think Palmer came off the other day with a little niggle for England, so he might not be really 100% fit. So we might actually see a Sterling and Mudrick out wide, essentially, just by force of, of you know, injury and availability. But it, I, I just feel, I don't see him betraying Gallagher, really. I don't think him, ter- I don't see him turning his back 
It's Gallagher. I don't think he should either. He shouldn't because Gallagher's been really, really good. Um, so it, it's a tough one, though. It is a tough one. But I think just from my, just not a tough one from his perspective, but a tough one from my perspective because of the way I want the game to be played. But I think, I think quite, you could be quietly sure that we're going to have Gallagher in the midfield. Um, and obviously, you're, you're, you're looking at playing Jackson up front again because Roya is still nursing or coming back from his injury. But I want to get your teams, respectively. Um, let's go, Babs. Um, I want your teams from back to front. And then I want to get your score predictions. Wait, just before he starts, do you want the team we think they're going to play or the team that we would play? Oh, team. Okay, let's do both. Team that you would like to play. And team, you think we should put, oh, we're gonna play? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with what I would play. So I'd go Gusto at the back. The, the difficulty here now is I don't know if I I I would I would yeah, risk you it. You want to drop silver in it? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I have to, man. I have to. I have to. I would risk it and play Badiashile and Corwell. I would play those two. Is Badiashile back? I'd, yeah, he's, he's been he's been training for he's been training for for a while. Um, I'm I'm not sure if they've made any um, accurate like any anything like well, outstanding terms of what, when, when he plays. So yeah, I'd, I'd play him and Cole at the back with Cucurella at left back. In the midfield, I'd then go with Caicedo, Enzo, and Palmer. I mean, in terms of the front line, I'd go Jackson, Sterling, and Mudrick. That that would be my preferred line. What I think is going to happen is I think it was going to be Gusto. Um, with Silva and it's going to be tough because I don't know if the Tati is going to be back fit because I know obviously they've said he, he's, he's back but they, they didn't make a mention of the fact that he did have that niggle so I wouldn't be surprised if it's Gusto, Silva, Colwell and Cucurella with Enzo, Caicedo and Gallagher in midfield, Sterling, Jackson and then Palmer as, as the front three. I think that's what that's what it may be. I think it's definitely dependent on them whether the Sassi is injured or not. And in terms of score prediction, I'm going to go two on Chelsea. You know, I, I can't, I can't predict us to lose. You know, it's, it's just not in me. So I'm going, to, I'm going to go two on Chelsea. I'm going to go two on oh. Chelsea. You know, for, for, was it Saturday night? You know, under the lights, five thirty kickoff. You know, we, we do tend to. I feel like maybe, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just me making. I, I do feel like on those kind of games, we, we do tend to perform. Whereas if it was like an early kickoff against Arsenal, I would have been worried. Because no, early kickoff after it's actual after it's actual break, we we never do well. We never ever do well. So I'm gonna go two one Chelsea. Oh, no, I hear you. All right, Sam, you go. Yeah. So uh, in terms of the lineup, I think we'll do, and not. I think exactly the same as Babs. Like exactly what he said. I think that is probably going to be the lineup. Uh, obviously, depending on the sassy. I think if the sassy plays, it will just be what we've been playing, kind of for the last two three games. With the front line of Sterling Jackson, um, Sterling Jackson and Palmer, and then you got the Enzo Gallagher Caicedo midfield. But in terms of what I would do, it'd obviously be Sanchez in goal, Gusto right back, uh, De Sassi, Silva. Say, say it, say it, say it. I, I know you want to say cool. I know you want to say cool. No, like it it, it depends because if Badia Shile is back, I'd play him, but also I don't know, like the similar to what I said about Palmer and risking it, like 
he's been out for a while now, just throwing him in against Arsenal. A lot of risk. Of... There's a lot of risk involved. Yeah. You know what? I'll go De Sassi, Colwell, Kukurea. All right. So that that'll be my back line. Come on, I'll quiz you after. I'll quiz you guys after. Okay, midfield three: Enzo, Caicedo, and Gallagher. And in the front three, I would probably play Sterling Jackson and Palmer, to be honest. So pr- pretty similar cool. to what I think we will put out. I think I'd go pretty similar. Cool. So I, I've, I've got a couple of questions. Um, simply because, it well, let's put it like this. If we talk about risks, right, are we willing to risk playing Colwell and De Sassi against Arsenal? Um, but where where so we see that as a risk. We recognise that as a risk, which is completely acceptable. Um, but Palmer in midfield ahead of Gallagher is is too much of a risk. But you're you're willing to play De Sassi and Colwell and drop out Thiago Silva. I mean, you know for I mean, me, like, they've, played game, they've, they've played every game this season. Like, I don't think that's as big a risk. But the reason why I question. That, is because the defence has been stable. The defence has been quite solid. The defence is one is the second well, joint best defence in the league with six goals conceded. So from that perspective, I'm like, okay, well, you run the risk of destabilising a very stable situation. Oh, no, I definitely team. agree. I definitely agree. Whereas I'm not even mad at silver pen. Whereas if you look at the midfield, it's not necessarily the case. You know, it's not necessarily... The midfield's changed a lot this season. So it's not really a case of mass destabilization, if that makes any sense. But I hear you, it's still a risk. But I also think not playing Thiago Silva is quite risky. That being said, there's a case to be made that, you know, against Arsenal, you know, and their mobile attack, that is quite risky playing a Thiago Silva also. So it's um I, I don't begrudge your choices, you know, but the way I think that it's going to be played... In, ter- in fact, go on, Sam. I want you to finish off with your score prediction, bro. Yeah, I'll, I'll say one score prediction in a second. I was just going to say, it just gets closer and closer to that point where I know there's murmurings that Silva's going to sign a new contract, but it's just getting closer and closer to the point where I just want to prepare for the future. And if Colwell is going to play centre-back, then I'd like him to play it sooner rather than later to kind of get to grips mm. with it. Not that he obviously has the grips with centre-back. He's been playing there his whole life. But I don't know. I'd just like to see him play centre-back because I think he can do even better at centre-back than he's been doing at left-back. Uh, score predictions. Let's go 3-2 Chelsea. I don't oh, think we'll score three goals. Again. But let's go for it. <laughs> I don't know. I can't predict cool. we're going to lose. But yeah. 1-0. No, sure. 1-0 is my actual prediction. Genuinely 1-0. All right, cool. Cool. Um...
Sanchez, Malo Gusto, um, De Sassi, uh, Tiago Silva, um, Colwell, Kukurea. Then I'd have a midfield three of Conor Gallagher, um, Enzo, and Caicedo. Then an attack of... Yeah, an attack of Palmer, Jackson, and Sterling. Um, that that's what I think the team's gonna be. Wait, so like did you said, put Desassi and no, Colwell centre back? No, I put I put I put Colwell and Thiago Silva. I think that's what the team's gonna be. I think the Desassi oh, okay. injury, the yeah. Desassi injury because he's had a niggle. I think that's what the team's gonna be. In terms of what I personally would do, um, I'd play. That back that back line probably be back line. Um and then I have a midfield of Palmer, uh, Enzo and Caicedo. And then I'd have Mudrick left wing, Sterling right wing, and Jackson up top. That's what I'd do. Cause I think that would cause a lot of damage to Arsenal. But we have to see, man. It's it's gonna be an interesting game. It's gonna Interesting game. My scoreline predictions. I got vested interest in this game, man. Scoreline predictions. I think it will be a score draw, but I wouldn't be shocked if Chelsea win. Basically, that's how I'm going to put it on the fence. Uh, But Sam, Babs, really appreciate your time, man. It's been it's been a pleasure. We'll be back again next week, same time. Um, Yeah, it's been Chelsea Hour, man. Catch us on the Discord. Catch us on our Patreon, and yeah, catch on the timeline. Peace. Take easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.